Hello and welcome to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. My name is Aidan Ewer and I'm here with my co-host Leah Heigl and this is episode 99 where we're going to be talking about mock meats and whether they're healthier than the real thing or how that fits into everything basically. So obviously this is a topic that you are more of an expert than I am. We talk about this all day every day. (laughs) Yeah whereas I talk about this almost never Um, (laughs) but we're gonna we're gonna cover it. I've obviously done prep for this as well obviously familiar with mock mates and everything like that but I think this is gonna be the one where you really shine so. Oh thank you. Yeah I hope I shine in the the vegan mock meat space (laughs) Um, but we'll start with something uh, I guess pretty simple in terms of just comparing mock meats to their meat counterparts so starting with something that's like a a fair analysis would be comparing like a higher fat meat product to a mock meat so often mock meats do have a lot of added oils particularly coconut oil is used a lot um in order to give like a similar texture and taste to the real thing um because for a lot of companies that make mock meats the the goal is to for it to taste like meat and for it to taste good more so than I guess the nutritional value. So there is a lot of added fat. Um, And because it is typically your coconut oil or sometimes your palm oil, that does tend to raise the overall saturated fat content of the product, um, which we know is like the quote unquote bad fats. Um, So they can actually like a mock meat and a higher fat meat say let's take uh like a beef burger patty they could end up being fairly similar i suppose in their nutritional profile when we just look at calories and macros so a standard beef burger patty so per 100 grams like so the a real beef burger patty is around 216 calories 15 grams of protein 16 grams of fat if we compare that to a pretty popular vegan beef patty the beyond patty um slightly higher calorie amount per 100 grams but by not by much so 256 calories compared to 216 so relatively similar 18 grams of protein so again relatively similar protein content um and then 20 grams of fat so slightly higher fat content but when we're comparing those two just from a calorie and macro perspective Look, they come out pretty similar at the end of the day. I think the the larger discrepancy comes about if you're comparing those kinds of more processed traditional mock meats to like a good quality lean meat. Yeah. So looking at a like a four star beef mince per hundred grams, we're looking more at like hundred and eighty ish calories. Um, so much lower than the two hundred to two hundred and fifty you're getting from the other like the beef patty products. Um, 23 grams of protein. So that protein content is a lot higher and 10 grams of fat. So the fat content is a lot lower. Um, so in comparing that to say, a a, a mock mince product. So another one is, uh, called naturally, um, that has around 195 calories, 17 grams of protein and 10 grams of fat. Although that is like a particularly not I guess, quote unquote, too bad of a a mince product. Um, From a vegan perspective, there are ones like the Beyond Mints that are a lot more similar to that patty in terms of being higher calorie and higher fat. Um, I think we'll we'll get into this a little bit later, but there's just such a discrepancy in the world of mock meats. Like there's such a spectrum. So like comparing products to one another can be a bit difficult sometimes. Um, But when you do compare your higher fat, 
meats to your mock meats. They come out pretty similar, um, but there are cases where meat outperforms the mock meat and there are cases where the mock meat outperforms the meat product. So it just depends on what two products you're actually comparing. Yeah, and if we take it a step further and we look at particularly lean meat, there's some examples that I think are worth I don't know, paying attention to or seeing in this kind of case study kind of comparison, looking at one in particular that I, I use a lot with clients um, just in relation to meat, not necessarily in this comparison, but using it here is that chicken breast per 100 grams is around 104 calories and 23 grams of protein, 1.6 grams of fat. Insanely lean, right? If we compared that to that um, standard beef burger patty, it's half the calories. Yeah. Um, the protein is higher, 23 in comparison to 15, and the fat has gone from 16 down to 1.6, so dramatic reduction in saturated fat and everything like that. Then once again, the Beyond Burger Patty, like we're looking at about 2.5 times the amount of calories in that mm-hmm. as there is in the chicken breast. So huge, huge difference. <clears throat> once again, not everything's just about calories and macros, but it is worthwhile thinking about this through the lens of being like, how many calories do I eat in a day? How does this fit in? If we look at it through the perspective of having as much as half a kilo of chicken breast, that's still less than 600 calories. The reason I use that example is to kind of point out that it's quite hard to overeat lean meat from a calorie perspective. Mm -hmm. If somebody was focusing largely on lean meat and vegetables for a large portion of their intake, they're very likely to consume fewer calories than they normally do. Whereas if we use a different meat example, if we use three-star mints, so regular mints, that same half kilo comes out as over a thousand calories. So pretty big difference there. I focus on lean meat there for that portion of the discussion, but there's also exceptions in other ways when we look at fish intake. For example, if we're looking at higher fat fish such as salmon, we do not get that that benefit from the calorie macro perspective because the fat content is so high. But it does come alongside the well-documented benefits of omega-3s, and other benefits from there too. Like if we look across a broad range of studies and we look at things like if people replace high fat meats with a higher fish intake, including salmon, almost always there is health benefits that come Mm. from making that kind of switch as well, which is part of why I don't want to be just just calories and macros because we do have some other aspects there. Um, As you kind of mentioned, like mock meats aren't necessarily trying to replace super lean meat yeah although it it is an interesting gap in the market because when i've personally been looking into this topic like i learn a lot by doing and i rarely eat mock meats just because i'm like i also rarely eat high fat meat to start off with anyway and i don't want to really change my diet just to experiment with something that i don't know that's what i look at i mean it's often more expensive as well so if you're not like doing it for a specific reason like ethical it like it just doesn't make much sense really Mm. but we'll we'll get into that that Yeah. yeah um so Going from, uh, I guess, a calorie and macro level and taking it down to a micronutrient level. So obviously micronutrients are important and it's an important part of this discussion to talk about the vitamins and minerals we are getting from real meat versus mock meats. So due to the goal of replacing like more so the taste and texture of meat, a lot of mock meats are pretty highly processed um, and not super nutritious. Although we'll talk about there kind of being a spectrum to that. A lot of the 
I guess the popular brands, so like Beyond, Veef, etc., um, they do tend to be quite highly processed, and they're often based on either textured pea protein uh, or soy protein, and then a mix of like oils and gums and thickeners and flavors and stuff to get that like replication of taste and texture of meat. The issue with that is, okay, we know that pea and soy are quite nutritious. But when they're processed quite heavily, a lot of the time it can lose a lot of its nutritional value from a micronutrient point of view. So whilst soy might be in its whole more whole form, be a great source of iron and other vitamins and minerals uh, in its more processed form, we are often losing a lot of that. Some products on the market are fortified, so they end up adding in like more iron, zinc, B12, so things that are that are maybe not naturally occurring in that more processed product. Um, but obviously not all products are fortified where like red meat on the other hand, and, and well, real meat in general does contain a lot of micronutrients naturally. Like that's all still just naturally existing in there. So like I said, iron, zinc, magnesium, your B vitamins, um, that are just not contained in a lot of those really highly processed mock meat products. Yeah. If you listen to a lot of people in the carnivore space, one of the interesting angles that is taken is just how high in um, micronutrients red meat in particular is. Mm. Um, it's higher than even chicken and stuff like that. But sometimes people use it in comparison to vegetables and the, the common comparison is used is per 100 grams. Yeah. And it actually stacks up quite well in terms of being micronutrient rich in comparison to vegetables. Obviously, the part where that analysis kind of falls apart a little bit is the rather than per 100 grams, if we compare per calorie, yeah. because vegetables just have like no calories, like this, they're, they're so <laughs> micronutrient rich per calorie. But the fact that somebody can even kind of like put an argument out there from that angle kind of shows how micronutrient rich like meat is basically. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from the opposite angle, looking at cancer risk associated with red and processed meats, I'm going to give a broad overview and then add a little bit of nuance to this. So... Red meat and processed meats are consistently linked with an increase in cancer risk. In particular, the risk of bowel cancer is the strongest one. Um, starting with processed meats, because obviously you could differentiate between processed meats and red meat. Um, one relevant line from an article that I've linked in the show notes is that an analysis of data from 10 studies estimated that every 50 gram portion of processed meat eaten daily increases the risk of bowel cancer by about 18%. So that's a pretty clear cut thing. Another one is on red meat being from that same article is if the association of red meat and bowel cancer were proven to be causal, data from those studies suggests that the risk of bowel cancer increases by 17% for every 100 gram portion of red meat eaten daily. Once again, that's pretty clear cut. I want to add some nuance to that though, which I think is, is tough. Like firstly, we have a bit of an issue where it's like all lumped in together and is one person eating, I don't know, like say sausages, for example, versus another person eating a lean cut of steak, are they going to get the same outcome on their cancer risk? Like there is a bit of differentiation there that's worth being aware of. Another example that I think is worth looking at when you're looking at this research, even though I personally started a broad overview, is the concept of healthy user bias, um, which I'll add even more nuance to. But the concept of healthy user bias is this concept of if people eat more red meat, do they do other things? Are they more likely to smoke? Are they more likely to drink alcohol? Are they less likely to eat more fruits, vegetables, have a good fiber intake, etc., etc.? Um, 
we know that if somebody follows a very plant-based diet, they're probably more likely to be eating more fruits, vegetables, have a high fiber intake, less likely to drink a lot of alcohol, et cetera, et cetera. One of the tricky things with interpreting nutrition research is that I've highlighted a very obvious thing, but researchers are aware that this problem exists and they have gone through and tried to account for as many variables as possible, just like everything I just talked about and more, to then come to the conclusion of being like, is this, is this still a risk factor? Is this something that's still a relevant link? And if you looked at it without doing any of that kind of analysis that I just talked about, red meat is linked with a lot of stuff. Like it's not just linked with like, with bowel cancer, it's like linked with like most health conditions under the sun, but it has all the issues that I just talked about. When researchers have tried to go through and account for every single variable that they can, it's still linked with bowel cancer. It's still a bit of an increased mm. risk of bowel cancer, both red meat and processed meat. Um, difficult to interpret, but it's like no matter how you look at it, you probably can't really fully ignore that component as well. It's worth being aware of that when researchers have gone through and done that. Although the more variables you try to account for, the more even that model falls apart as well. There's flaws in everything, but that's a bit of an overview of the kind of state of the research on that topic. Perfect. And I think we'll get into now just in terms of the what I briefly mentioned in terms of not all mock meats are the same. Like I'll often get clients talking like just they'll come and ask me like are mock meats good? And I feel like that's such a loaded question mm. because I have a more nuanced answer than like yes or no. Um, it can be very context dependent, but also not all mock meats are created equal. And then like even considering like, well, what what is considered a mock meat is textured vegetable protein, a mock meat, because it kind of emulates mince to a certain extent. Yeah. But a lot of people would not consider that a quote unquote mock meat. Yeah. And that's just um, textured vegetable protein is basically just like soy that has been dehydrated. So it's actually really nutrient rich. Um, but I, I kind of explain mock meats on a spectrum. So you have the ones that we've spoken about in terms of being more highly processed, more added oils, less nutrient dense options that are, that tend to be higher calorie, higher in saturated fat, low in vitamins and minerals that yeah, probably not best to have super often and maybe aren't a great replacement for the the real thing. Um, but then you also have your mock meats that are made from really nutritious ingredients, low in added oils and fats, low in saturated fat, um, and that are really nutrient dense. So like a common comparison I'll make is like something like a brand called Sunfed, which is just textured pea protein but it's quite like it's it's just not very processed so it's maintaining a lot of its naturally occurring iron and zinc from from the pea protein um very low in fat very protein efficient super awesome option um but that is definitely not equal to something like the beyond beef patty that we talked about that has those other issues so i think it's just an important distinction to say like just don't group all mock meats together. It's more like you take product to product and, and then compare them individually. It's kind of like we can't lump all meat in together and say, is meat good or bad for you, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, it's like, well, there's leaner meats, there's higher fat meats, there's red and processed meats versus white meats and fish. Like it's, it's a mixed bag. Yeah, and... Even going back to the little bit I was talking about with like the cancer risk and stuff like that, that's where it starts to become interesting. Being like, what if somebody had a really high intake of red meat and processed meats 
And they did replace some of that with mock meats that are roughly the equivalent nutritional value in many other ways. Does that reduce the risk a little bit? Um, whether we classify TBP, textured vegetable protein, as a mock meat or not, an example that I've thrown out previously on Instagram and stuff like that is like, say somebody's making spaghetti bolognese and they're using X amount of beef mince. If they replace half of that with TBP, mm. if they use regular mince to start off with, it dramatically improves the nutritional profile. If they use lean beef mince, but then we come back to that topic about does this have any impact on cancer risk or anything like that? If, if we came to the conclusion that, or if we believe, yes, it does, then it'd be from the perspective of improving that as well to a certain degree um, without much downside. It's increasing the fiber intake. It's still keeping protein high and everything like that. And it also feeds into another topic that I think is interesting to think about being like a lot of people look at it through a perspective of either I am exclusively plant-based or I'm not plant-based at all. And I have yeah. made it in every single meal. It's like there could be benefits to if somebody was not plant-based at all to potentially reducing in some cases as well. Yeah, finding that kind of middle ground. Because, yeah, yeah, if you're someone who really likes red and processed meats, like if you really love salami and you're having that four or five times a week, okay, we know that that's probably not like awesome if that's real meat that often. But then what if you took that and replaced it with a plant-based alternative? Maybe it's not the most nutritious thing in the world. Maybe it is slightly higher calorie, slightly higher fat, but maybe it doesn't come with the kind of those risks associated with a high intake of processed meat. So yeah. there could be times where it's beneficial to swap and times where it is not so beneficial to swap. Sounds good to me. Easy. Well, this has been episode 99 of the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. If you haven't already, if you could please leave a rating and review, that would be greatly appreciated. Mm-hmm.